this is a brand new series, and, and it's birthed out of, if you're new around our church, it's birthed out of our annual spiritual survey that we do every Easter. So every Easter, uh, we hand out a, a, what we call a spiritual survey, our Easter spiritual survey. It's a simple survey, but our whole church family shows up on the same day. Like that, That's the only day of the year I can get you all to come on the same day. And so it's a great time for us to just make sure we have not only right information, but but really that we're meeting the needs that you have. You know, one of the things I don't want to do is have a church that isn't speaking to the needs that you have as a family or as a congregation. And so we lean into that spiritual survey. And then every fall, I preach a message, I preach a message series around that spiritual survey. So we ask questions like, what are some topics you want, you know, you haven't heard a message about or you would like to hear more messages about? What are some themes that you'd like to hear more messages about? I actually arranged my preaching calendar for 2020 around this year's spiritual survey. So we'll talk about some things like, like I want to hear more messages on forgiveness. We'll do a whole series on forgiveness. And, and, or I want to hear you know, more about hope. Or, and, and then the first part of that survey, we ask, what are some que- you know, the biggest questions that you have? And how can we answer those questions? And then I take four weeks in this series... And I'll answer those questions. So if you come all four weeks, and I hope that you do, you'll kind of you'll think, man, none of these have anything to do with the other one except for you were asking these questions. And so we're going to go to God's Word, and we called it Reply All because we're just kind of, uh, even if you didn't ask the question, I'm sure everybody else is thinking it. And so we'll go to God's Word and say, hey, how can everybody get the answer to this question that so many people have? And Jesus would teach this way. The disciples would bring their questions to Jesus and they would say, how, 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 who's the greatest in the kingdom? And then he would teach about the kingdom of God. Or, or how does this work? Why, why didn't that you know, devil respond to us? And he would teach about prayer and fasting. And So this was a normal part of Jesus' ministry. So every year we like to take your questions and I answer them in this series. That's what today is going to look at. And so our team sort of looked at all these questions and I love, I, this is probably one of my favorite series all year because I get to kind of see you know, into your heart and what's, what, you know, what God's talking to you about. And we may talk about some stuff that I don't get a chance to preach about any other time of the year. And one of the biggest topics you ask about this Easter, this spiritual survey, was the question, how do I share my faith? How do I share my faith? I have people in my life that are hurting. There are people around me that I know that God's put in my path. I just don't know what to do with it. I don't feel qualified. I don't feel capable. I don't know how to share my faith adequately. I don't even know what, what that means or like testifying or testify. I grew up in, 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 in kind of a, a, well, I grew up Pentecostal. I don't want to sugarcoat it anymore for you. So we used to have testimony service. Anybody know where I'm at on that? Test, thank God we don't do that anymore. Because it was wild and it was weird. And nobody normal ever testified, at least not in my church. <laughs> it was just crazy. And, but I don't even know how to share like what's going on in my life. Or how do I talk to somebody who's far from God? You know, my neighbor's lost. I mean, he's never told me he's going to hell, but he's mean. I'm pretty sure he's going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to share my faith. Or there's somebody in my life that I love that walked away from God. And, and I'd love to be able to use this fall, you know, to kind of bring them back to church or invite them back. What do I do? And, and, so, and so I want to help you with that. And, and I want to help you because I want to help you fulfill God's plan for your life. You know, the other biggest topic, it, it comes up every single Easter survey without fail. Matter of fact, I'll preach it the last Sunday of this month. 
And it's how do I discover God's plan for my life? Uh, We'll use our birthday celebration. I'll preach that to you about discovering God's plan for your life. It's what people want to know most. You know, how do do I know God's will? And I know what you're saying. You're asking about that individual thing, you know, like what's, what's the calling that God has on my life specifically? How do I find that calling God has in my life? And he's called, and he's called everybody in this room to something unique. And some, there's a gift that you have, a, a talent that you have, something God gave you. But there's also some things that God gave all of us to do that are God's plan for all of our lives. Say amen to that. Like generous living, that's God's plan for every believer. Like loving and compassion and using my gifts. And there's this big picture that God has for every believer And really that answers the question that you're asking in this week one of Reply All. How do I share my faith? It's God's plan. Listen close. It's not on your notes, but I want you to write this down. It's God's plan for your life to share your faith with everyone in your life. That God has a plan for you. He did not just save you so you wouldn't go to hell. God saved you so you would get on mission and help other people not go to hell. Are you awake? That you, you, you're not just in this church so that your life gets better. God never does something... For, oh, I'm already preaching good. I, I, feel, I feel this service more than I did last service. God never gives you something that's just for you. Never. God never gives you anything that's just for you. God always gives you something so that He can bless others through you. It's always the plan of God throughout the entire Bible. God always uses people to fulfill His mission. God could have saved the whole world. He didn't need anybody else. Just the wave of His hand and everyone would believe in Jesus. But He used you. Jesus' last command to His disciples were go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them. Teach them to observe everything that I've given you. I want to use you. I want to use you. Even when God decided to save the world, He didn't just do it with a wave of His hand. He sent His only begotten Son, a person He gave to us. God always uses people. Shout amen to that. And God wants to use you. To, to change the world around you. I don't mean change the world everywhere. I mean your world. I mean use you in, in your sphere of influence and in, in the places around you. God's got a plan for every believer. And when we look for that plan, I think we can go back to the first people Jesus ever called to be believers, to be disciples. And if you're new to the Bible, we'll, we'll kind of camp out on the Gospel of Mark today. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels in the New Testament. And Mark is, uh, he's kind of a right to the point kind of guy. He doesn't, he doesn't fill in. I think he's like most married men. Come on, somebody. How was your day? It's fine. It's good. Yeah, it was good. No, no. <laughs> and you ask your wife, how was your day? And, and somewhere around 48, 49 minutes later, you get a good feeling of how her day was. Come on, all the married men. You know I'm, I'm right about that. And Mark was just like, well, here's what happened. This is what happened. He doesn't give any fluff to it, so it makes it the shortest gospel. But I like it because he just gets right to the point. So you'll see the same story in other gospels that have more details, but Mark just gets right to the point. And he gets to the point about how Jesus calls every believer. If you have your Bibles, we're in Mark, the first chapter. If not, you can look on the screen and we'll read it all together. So Jesus... Uh, is going and preaching because his cousin John the Baptist, John is put into prison. 
And John's role is to preach repentance and the kingdom of God is at hand. That's his message. That's all John the Baptist ever preached was repentance, that God's trying to do something new. Let me pause right here and tell you. Your motivation for sharing your faith and reaching the people God's put in your path has to be that God has something He wants for them. God has something He wants for them. If you believe you've attained everything that God wants for you, this isn't going to make any sense to you whatsoever. Matter of fact, most of this church will not make sense to you. But if you believe like I do, that even though I've been saved, even though I'm I'm filled with the Spirit, even though I've been baptized 25, 30 years, even though I've been in ministry 20 years of my life, God still has more He wants to do in my life. There's more of God that I can attain. There's more of God that I can learn. There's more of my faith can grow. Are you still awake? Say amen. There's more that God has. And so Jesus picks up John's message because John's in prison. And he goes to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God that the time has come, he said, that the kingdom of God is near. Let me pause here and tell you, there's a lot of things that you can give your life to that are worthwhile. Brandy and I are kind of having conversations right now about, about our future and what, what are we going to do in retirement. And, and, you know, we're both sort of staring 40 down the barrel anyway. And so we're kind of just talking. What are we going to do? I don't want to be 87 up here preaching to y'all. I love y'all. But at 87, I want to be on the beach in Southern California with short shorts and long socks on. Come on. And sandals with my socks. That's the way I'm going to roll. And I'm, I'm only going to drive my golf cart everywhere. Groceries, everything. That's my plan at 87. I love y'all. I'm just not going to be preaching the gospel like this every single week. So we're planning. What are we going to do? And, and, and that's a worthwhile conversation. How are you going to handle retirement? What are you going to do in finances? What, what about college? I have a little girl who's seven years old. She's expensive now. I don't think it's getting any better. Like it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse progressively and quickly, might I add. And so we're we're planning and 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 all of that's right. But but Jesus walks in. Listen close. The reason why I preach to you so much about heaven is not because I want you to take your eyes off of uh, you know what you have to do for your family and preparation and legacy and retirement. All of that makes sense. All of that's important. But what's more important is that retirement's not near. The kingdom of God is near. Everybody, like heaven is near and it means you and I have to get on mission really soon that God has a plan for our life and, and, and I got to tell you, and I don't mean to be morbid. I know you came today expecting a positive message and I, I, don't, I don't mean to be negative but I got to tell you, look into my eyes I don't know if we're living in the last days but these are my last days and I, I don't mean, I hope to God it's not this week and I leave my family or this church behind But I know this, I'm living in my last days. I don't get any other day back. And they're getting shorter and shorter and worse and worse, by the way. The Bible said that it it gets darker and darker and the love of many will wax cold. Like the world's getting worse. If you're waiting on things to turn around, it's not going to turn around. It's just going to get worse, everybody. And you and I have a mission to do. And I don't have time to waste my whole life because the kingdom of God is near. Does that make sense to anybody? And so Jesus is preaching this message about eternity. Hey, make sure your eyes are on heaven and not just on earth. Hey, make sure your eyes are on what I'm doing that lasts. He would say things like, lay up for yourself treasures in 
heaven. I want you to have a good 401k, but I really want to make sure that you're investing in eternity. Hey, I want to make sure your kids are cared for here. God forbid you leave them too soon, but I really want you to leave a legacy of faith and raise your kids to love God and know God and find their purpose in their life and live a life of difference making. I want you to live for eternity and not just for what's temporary. The kingdom of God is near. And, 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 so, and so in light of that, repent. Like, repent of having so much focus on what's temporary. And believe the good news. And Jesus walked, next slide, beside the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon, who would be Peter, by the way. He saw Simon Peter, and he saw Simon's brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake of the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing there. Mark just gets right to the point. And, and he says they were fishermen. I think that's so funny how he decides to, just in case you didn't catch the story, that's why they were casting their nets. Anyway, they were fishermen. So he says, come, follow me. Right to the point. Come, follow me. Jesus just walks up. Come, follow me. And this is a conjunction that means I wasn't finished with my call to you. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Like I got some immediately at, while you're making the decision to follow me, know that I've got a mission for you. While, while you're deciding whether or not to give your whole life to me, know that I've got a plan for you before you ever say yes. Let me pause here and look you in the eye and tell you God has a plan for you before you ever say yes to the plan of God. God has a purpose for you. You're not an accident. I don't care what your mama told you. God knew you. Come on, everybody. God had a plan for you. Psalms 139 says, Not a day of your life has, 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 has happened that before it happened, God didn't write it in His book. God, oh, He formed you in your mother's womb and He knew you and called you and set you apart and gave you a plan. I've got something for you to do. So follow me, but know there's a plan for you. And if your Christianity doesn't include a mission, it's not Bible Christianity. If your Christianity is just about saving you, it's not Bible Christianity. But when you follow Jesus, you get the purpose of Jesus, the plan of Jesus, the call of Jesus. i got a mission to do with my life. Shout amen to that, everybody. Y'all got to calm down. Some of you are a little too well. No, I'm kidding. It's me. And so at once, at once, they left their nets and followed Him. At once. Like, they didn't, again, Mark just says, I don't even know where we're going. I'm just going to follow. And he'd gone a little bit further, walks around, the, walks around the shore of the Sea of Galilee and says the same thing to other brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, this is a family business. That's why his daddy was out there. That's why Mark mentions his father by name because this is probably legacy. This is a grandfather's business that he passed to Zebedee, that he's passing now to James and his brother John. And they're preparing their nets. They're doing the same exact thing. And without delay... There we go again. He just he calls them and they left their father in the boat. That's probably my favorite part of this whole story. They just walk away from their father in the boat like that. Wrap this up if you don't mind. We're going to go we're going to go and they left him with all the hired men and they followed him. And they followed him. Here's here's what I got to get you to catch. The first four disciples Jesus called. These are he, these are his first 
four disciples as he begins his public ministry. This is the first thing we see Jesus do. He is tempted in the wilderness. John's put in prison. Jesus immediately steps in to begin to preach the same gospel that repent the kingdom of God is at hand. And he calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And he doesn't call them to what I would call them to. If I was building, William, if I was building a ministry team, i got to be honest with you, my first thing would not be, I will make you fishers of men. If I was building a new board of disciples, my first thing would not be, hey, guys, I, I, I want you to know, I know you're fishermen now, but I'm going to let you fish for men. Like, i got a mission for you to do to reach other people. I would say things like this, follow me and I'll make you men of integrity. Follow me and I'll make you, I'll make you men who are better husbands. Follow me and, I, and, and I'll make you get your money right. Follow me and you'll be a better daddy. You'll be a better mom. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better boss. You'll be more compassionate. You'll have more character. If I was building the first ministry team, I would have wanted all of that stuff first. But watch this. Listen close. God is more interested in your mission first than He is you getting anything else together in your life. Before God does anything else in you, God wants to do something through you. God has a plan to reach the world. And that plan, I don't have time. I'll work on your integrity. I'll work on your character. we got three and a half years together. We'll be in a small group together for three and a half years. If Jesus needed a small group, you need a small group. So he said, we'll be in the same small group for three and a half years. Well, I'll work on your parenthood. I'll work on you being a better husband. I'll get your character together. We'll work on how you handle money. But the first thing I want you to do is get your eyes on the mission that you have. And if you're going to follow me, you've got a mission. Write this in your notes. Because to follow is to fish you can't separate out following Jesus with I just don't talk to people good you can't separate out well I'm a follower of Jesus but I've never reached for anybody lost no 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 if you're going to follow Jesus fully you're going to fish for other people and i got to answer this question, how do I share my faith to you? By, by first giving you how important this mission is. i got to convince you today, it's your responsibility. God's plan A to reach the world is you, and there is no plan B. Let me say that again, because I want you to get underneath the weight of this. God's plan A to reach your neighborhood is you, and He has no plan B. God's plan A to reach your office is you. And there is no plan B. God has called you and He's called me. We have a mission. And Jesus was saying to these disciples, I'll save you, but I'm not just saving you for you. I'm saving you so you'll help me save others. That's good whether you amen that or not. I'm reaching you so you'll get on mission to reach others. And, and this is hard preaching in a culture like this. i got to be honest with you. I, I was talking to our interns the other night and... and and, and I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying here because I'm really, I'm very thankful for the availability of technology and the availability that we have to, to spread the gospel literally around the world at the touch of our fingers. And, 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 and with the onslaught of mobile, you know, we're able to reach into countries. Most, most people in sub-Saharan Africa and, and, and the Indian subcontinent have a mobile phone when they don't have running water. And so we're able to put the gospel in, in, in their hands. And I think that's an amazing thing. And I'm thankful for it. But listen close. Look at me. I don't want to raise a whole church 
that is consuming so much stuff. There, there's better preachers. that You can get ministries. There, there are people right now streaming their services and their sermons and their messages. And if you're not careful, we become consumers of all of this stuff. And we're never on mission reaching for people who haven't heard yet. And as Christians, we get fat and full. Not, not literally, even though, come on. I, I, don't, I don't mean fat and full. Like I, I mean that you're spiritually fat and lethargic. You've gotten all the preaching you ever need in your life to go to heaven. Now God's called you to go reach somebody else. You've gotten all the inspiration you need to make it to heaven and be a good disciple. I've called you not just for you. I've called you to reach the people that I've put you around i got a, something for you to do. I'm betting on you. So you'll bet on others. And I'm calling this church to more. And, 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 and I, love, I, I love what this church is for. I love that it's a hospital. I tell you all the time, this is a spiritual hospital. And when people are in the hospital, it, some people have been here longer than others, so they look more well, but everybody's in the same hospital. So, so we don't look down our noses at you on the, uh, in the ICU just because we're in a step-down room. Because we're not healthy and whole either. Everybody needs a hospital. Shout amen to that. This is not the church you get to point fingers and say, well, I'm better than him and I'm better than her and I'm, at least I don't have what they have. No, no, no. This is a hospital for everybody. But it can't just be a hospital. This is a family. This is where family gathers. This is where family shares meals together. There's something powerful about getting in a group and sharing a meal together and and discussing and doing life together and playing a sport together. There's just a family atmosphere that's created. And I love that this church is not just a hospital, it's a family. But family's not enough. Listen to me. God's called this church to be an army. And an army has a hospital. It, it, we're going we're to care for people who are broken and hurting. And an army is a family. They're, 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 they're together. I've I got my brothers around me, my sisters around me. But an army knows i got a mission to do. I'm not just out here just, just playing games. No, no, no. I'm on a mission. God's called me to do something. i got something that God uniquely gifted me to do. And i got to get on mission. That's what God saved me for. That's what God saved you for. To follow Jesus is to get the mission to fish for other people. I didn't just save you for you. And I know you may be thinking, well, I can't do that, man. You can do that. You're the preacher. Like, that's your job. And, and, and I know what you're saying. And, and I tell you often, if you'll do what I can't do, I'll do what you can't do. I, 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 I can't reach your friends, family, co-workers, neighbors. If you'll bring them to here, I, I'll, I'll preach the gospel in a clear, compelling way that, that, that hopefully introduces them to Jesus, but you, but you got to go fish for them. It's not your job to clean the fish, by the way. It's just your job to put them in the boat. This is not a fish cleaning kind of church. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not telling you they're wrong and we're right. I'm just telling you, we're not going to raise a bunch of Christians who fillet all the other Christians who don't do it just like them. We're the church that's going to keep reaching in the water and finding fish. That's our job. That's what God's called us to do. I want you to know you don't have to have it all together now. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you. Come on, we're in a process. That's why I talk to you oftentimes about taking spiritual next steps. Because everybody's in a process to go somewhere. 
Everybody's being made and formed into fishers of men. That's why it's important that you're in church and you're in a group and you're on a team because you're being formed into the image of Christ. You're teaching me. Hey, hey, disciples. Hey, Andrew. Hey, 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 Simon, James, John. Stick around. I'll form you. I'll make you into fishers of men. But just so you know, before you say yes, I've got a mission for you to do. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm just saying if you follow me, I want to, here's the most important thing i got to tell you. Listen close. I want to leverage your whole life to reach the world. We don't talk enough about this. I wish I had time to preach it to you. But Jesus' mission is to leverage what is temporary in your life. Your money, your finances, your neighborhood, your job, your influence, your family, the temporary, your house... You, come on, your promotion, your backyard. God said, I want to I leverage what is temporary in your life. The normal routine of your life. The good, the bad, the people, the places. I want to leverage all of that for eternity's sake. And, and, and I want this church to be the kind of church that understands it's, it's right to be blessed. It's right to have houses and, and cars and promotions and jobs. And, and I'm not telling you none of that's wrong. And 401ks. And, I, just want you, I just want you to get the right perspective. I'm not living for that. I'm living for eternity. And I'm leveraging this for the sake of that. I'm leveraging everything I've got. I'm leveraging every day of my life. I'm telling you, I'm on mission. I'm, I don't have time to waste. I talked to a pastor friend of mine just this past week, a church planter, and, and, and feeling the same things. I don't have time to waste. Time is of the essence. The kingdom of God is near. And I'm going to leverage every day I've got. I don't have a message to waste to you. We don't have a worship. I tell our team, we don't have a Sunday to waste. Because somebody's in church today that eternity could hang in the balance. And we got to leverage every worship song. we got to leverage every high five. we got to leverage every child and kids ministry. i got to leverage the 40 minutes that you give me to preach to you. i got to leverage every word I say so that we can point people to eternity. i got to leverage my whole life for the sake of eternity. And until you understand that way, you won't know how to share your faith because you don't think it's important enough. And I know I've spent the majority of my time trying to convince you how big it is because I can teach you how to share your faith. I've I got to get you on mission. I've got, I got to get you where you know this is God's plan. You are perfectly positioned where you are to change the world. To make a difference. It's, it, it's, it's, why, it's why we talk so much about what we talk about. That God uniquely called you not to just live your life, pay bills, and die. God called you to make a difference. To make a difference with your life. To leverage your whole life for the sake of others. But you ask a practical question. So let me give you some practical application. Is that okay, everybody? Let me give you some practical application as we wrap up this message. And I know you're thinking, you got to do it quick. So here's, here's what I know. I know that people come to God for a variety of reasons. I've been in ministry long enough to know that you're here for a variety of reasons. Um, because somebody invited you, because your wife just nags you all the time about coming, because a friend comes to church here, because you're in a need today. I know some people serve God just because they don't want to go to hell. And i got to be honest with you, that's a decent motivator. Come on there like that, it's fire insurance. Ain't nothing wrong with that, everybody. Like heaven or hell, give me, give me that one. You know what I mean? And 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 
But here's what I do know after 20 years in, in vocational ministry. I know that if the only reason you serve God is so you won't go to hell, it's not enough to last when you go through hell on earth. It won't, it won't, it won't keep you on the hard days. Because hell is it's, it's over there. You know, it's, it's an eternity thing. And, and, and so I can't see that. I can see this. And you'll lose sight of that for this. And you'll lose out with God because it's not enough motivator. So, so that's why we never, I, I'm never going to motivate you because you feel bad. I want to motivate you because God's got a plan for your life. Because you've got a mission to do with your life. And so people come to God for so many different reasons. But what I thought I'd do is I would tell you what I know to be true about the person who brought you to God. And maybe that would teach you how to bring others. So what I know about somebody who reached you, who, who, who shared their faith with you, who brought you to church for the first time, who, who introduced you to Jesus for the first time. There's, there's three things I think are universal, and, and it's probably true of you, and I think it'll give you some application about how to share your faith, or to answer your question, how do I share my faith? Are you ready for that? Say amen. Here's the first one. Write this down in your notes. You already, you probably already had heard the message. So here's what I know about you, and if it's true about you, it's probably true about the people you're talking to, You've probably already heard about Jesus. Now, why, why would I bring that up? First of all, it's rare that I meet heathens. Come on, somebody. Like, when we take mission trips to, to, to Rwanda and, and to Nicaragua and, and to North Korea, and, you know, when you go to places, maybe the gospel is, has never been preached in the name of Jesus. That's a different story. But I'm talking about people in your life. There's probably few people who've never heard. They, they've, they already know that Jesus died for their sins. Now, listen, here's why i got to tell you this. Because the number one reason why people don't share their faith is because they're scared that people are going to ask them questions that they don't have answers to. Well, guess what? People don't really have answers either. And you don't have answers. So we're all kind of in the same boat. You know what I mean? Like, people people who are... Listen. People who are drowning don't care about the Greek definition of life raft. They just need a life raft. I've never met someone who's hurting who wants me to give them the Greek way that, 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 or, 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 or to interpret how, how the Logos was in the mind of God, but then He became God. And John 1 said, we beheld His glory, but no one's ever seen the... Fu- I, Pastor, what does that mean? No, nobody who's really hurting and drowning has that question. So you're bogged down with, well, I don't know. What if they ask me? What if, they're not going to ask you about that. You know what they're going to ask you? I'm struggling in my marriage, and I see that God healed your marriage. Do you think He could heal ours? They, they just want to know about joy. They got the same questions you've got. How do I sleep at night? How do I have joy on the hardest days of my life? How do I build love in my children and compassion for my spouse? How do I define purpose for my life? What does success really look like? They're not re- they've already heard about Jesus. They want to know what Jesus has done for you. They, they, they don't need you to be a preacher. I'll do that. I, I, I'll, I'll tell them about how Jesus died for their sins. What you need to tell them about is how Jesus changed you. How He gave you joy when you didn't have any joy. How He, how he changed everything in your life. How when you were an addict and had nobody and nothing. How God delivered you and pulled you out of all of that and set you in stability. How when you were on your way to divorce. How God fixed your marriage and healed you. How when you got a bad report from the doctor, God healed you of diabetes or cancer. They, they don't really care about Greek and Hebrew. They care about what He did for you. 
That's what people want to know. So don't get bogged down in the message. Get get super intentional about what He's done for you. They've probably already heard the message. And listen, in light of that, it was more than... Here's the number two. It was more than the message that reached you. It had a lot to do with the messenger. It was more than the message. It had to do with the messenger. In other words, your life matters, everybody. Let me just pause here and tell you how you live your life matters. What you say matters. People don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. It matters. So look into my eyes. Be nice. That's deep, isn't it? I know, that's super deep. Just be nice. Just be kind. Don't cut people off and flip them off, especially if you have a City Hills car decal. Please, I beg you not to do that. Do not, don't cuss on Facebook. Well, that was, that's probably half of us. Not because I care and I'm the sheriff. Not because you're going to go to hell. But because there's people in your world who want to know, is this guy for real? Does he really believe what he says he does? Is it really joy that he's got? Is this all fake? Or do they... No, no, no. This isn't fake. This is real. God's really changed my life. He's transformed me. And the message is not as important as the messenger is. Your life matters. Be likable. Practice smiling. I'm begging this church. Practice smiling. Some of you will pull muscles in your jaw because it's not used to doing it. Be full of joy. I've preached it to you all year. I'm going to preach it probably all of next year. Be full of joy. Have joy no matter what. Have joy in every circumstance. I have met Christians that if that's Christianity, I don't want none of that. I'd rather risk hell than I would be like you. I'm being honest with you. I would re- If that's all you got, if that's the transformation of Jesus Christ in your life, that you're sad all the time, depressed all the time, worried all the time, stressed out all the time, can't sleep, addicted to everything, I don't want that kind of Christianity. I want to know there's joy there. There's peace there. There, There's transforming power of God in my life. Is that okay preaching to everybody? Everybody in the cheap seats, is that okay? Live a life that builds a reputation of honesty. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat in your business. Tell the truth. Be people of peace. Be sincere. Care for people. Build a life of character. And listen what will happen. Over time, you will build a reputation where you stand out in the crowd. And when the most hurting people in your life look for answers, they're going to see you. It happened to Brandy and I just a couple of weeks ago. I don't think, a lot of people in my neighborhood come to church here, but I don't think these particular people do yet. So I can still tell the story till they come. <laughs> My kids, I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. They were playing in their garage, and Brandy has some craft paint. She's a crafty kind of gal. And they got that craft paint out, and they spilled it on the sidewalk in front of a neighbor's house. And we didn't know it. And so the day had passed by, and we have an HOA Facebook group, which is such a blessing. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 
And my neighbor called my kids terrible things in front of my whole neighborhood. And we found out pretty quickly it was our kids. Brandy and I, through a process of elimination, that our kids had orange hands and it was orange paint. Come on, somebody. So I had to publicly, in front of my whole neighborhood, respond differently than I wanted to. Because I wanted to say a few things I can't say in the microphone. I wanted to tell this dear brother about how amazing my kids were. But I don't get the privilege of telling someone off. Because my life matters. Because they won't believe my message as much as they will the messenger. And just two weeks ago, I had another neighbor, a couple of weeks ago, I had another neighbor walk down to my cul-de-sac and say, we're getting a divorce and I'm struggling again. And I don't even go to your church, but I know you're a pastor. What do we do? I'm just telling you, if you'll build a life of reputation, if, if, if you'll consider the messenger, if, if you'll take the responsibility, they don't care about the message. They'll believe the message. They want to believe you. Here's the third thing. Come play, Henry. The third thing is, I doubt, I doubt that it was just random. It, 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 it no doubt had something, people who reached you, it probably had something to do with your current situation. P people, people all have the same problems. I think the biggest misconception the devil will tell you is you're the only one. You're the only one who ever struggles with that. You're the only, you're the only couple who ever has a hard day. You're the only ones who yell at your kids like you do. You're the only ones who, who allow your kids to, you know, they, they watched a bad show and now they, now they cussed in school. And you're, you're the only one. You're the only one. And he'll convince you that, that you know, you're all alone. And you don't know what to do. You're, you're, the only, you're the only addict. You're the only one struggling with pornography. You're the only one. The truth is, everybody has problems just like you do. And so when you go to share your faith, it probably is going to be more about the current situation of the person you're talking to than you realize. And I know this because it was true for the disciples. So Mark tells you the quick story. I, t I told you that. But Luke tells the same exact story, just with more detail, because that's how Luke rolls. So, so Luke writes the same story, except when he says Jesus came, he said he came to the, to the sea. He said, but Jesus got on the boat. He, got, he actually got on Simon's boat. That's the way Luke told it. Mark just goes right to the point. He came to the river, he came to the water, said, follow me. They followed him. That was it. Luke kind of tells you more of the story. And it makes more sense, honestly. So he gets on the boat, and, and he tells Simon, read it for yourself in Luke, same exact story. He tells Simon Peter, hey, cast down your nets into the deep waters. And Simon and Andrew get visibly upset. And they tell Jesus, well, that's a great idea you got. But we've been out here all night long and we fished in this, in this sea. And we've caught nothing. And our livelihoods depend on this. And I don't know if we're going to meet payroll this week. And I don't know what's going to happen to our business. And it was a current problem. And then Simon says to Jesus, but since you said it, I'll do it. Let me pause here and tell you. 
people don't, they don't, they don't have a problem with the message. They'll probably do what it is Jesus says. Okay. So since you said it, I'll do it. And they throw their nets into the water. And the Bible says, read it for yourself, that their net, there are so many fish that their nets began to break. That, so they got another net and it broke. So they called another boat over and they filled up their boat and the other boat. And the Bible said the boats began to sink. Now listen, that makes more sense. Because if I'm the father of John and James and Simon and Andrew and this guy just saved my family business, follow the guy who filled up the boat. You know what I'm saying? And people will follow the guy who changes their life. People will follow a God who can give them real joy. People are looking for peace. People are looking. The first disciples followed Jesus for the same reason you did. And the same reason your friends will. I'm just answering your question. How do I share my faith? They'll follow him for the same reason you did. Because of what he's done for you. So as a believer, i got to get you on mission today. i got to get you thinking about others. And about people in your world who are lost. And who are far from God. And are hurting and are broken. Who fist all night and can't seem to make it. And he tells Simon and Andrew, James and John, Hey, look, I know, I know I did that for you. Like I filled your boats up and I saved your business. But I didn't listen. I didn't just save you for you. I saved you so you would fish for other people. So write this down and we'll pray. We have to get past what have I done for you to what can I do through you. God has to get you as a believer, and I'm calling you as your pastor, from not just, God, what can you do for me? God, I'm, I'm, I need help with my fish. No problem. I'll, I'll help you. I, God, we need help in our marriage. No problem. I'll fix your marriage. God, I need help with my... No problem. But when I do, I want to do something through you. I want to use you to reach your friends and family. I, I, I want to reach you to share your faith with people on your... I perfectly positioned you in that cul-de-sac to reach your neighbors who are far from God. I put you in that office. You thought it was your resume. It wasn't your resume. I put you there so you could be a light, so you could share. I, I, I put you around. I, I've been amazed. Brandy and I, if you're new to City Hills, well, for 10 years we struggled with infertility. And I promise you, I just you're going to take my word for it. I have met hundreds of of couples in my ministry who've struggled with infertility. Why? Because God perfectly positioned me to tell them that God healed us and God can perform a miracle for you. I'm just telling you, I've perfectly, I've went through everything in my life so that I could tell you. God put you right where you are. And on this first week of Reply All, you ask, how do I share my faith? You see what God could do through you. See what God could do through you. Bow your heads, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence that's been in church all day today, really. I thank you for people who are uh, feeling the weight. Whoever asked the question, so, so many people did. Dozens and dozens of people asked, how do I even share my faith? What do I even say? And I hope today helped and I hope I gave them some practical steps. But really what I want you to do, God, is... 
Talk to them about the mission you have for them. That followers are fishermen. The people that follow Jesus are constantly fishing. God, make them keenly aware of the mission you have for them. Make them keenly aware of the plan you've got in their life. God, open their eyes this week in the office, this week around school. Open their eyes. God, you didn't just save them for them. No, no. You saved them for a purpose. you got something for them to do. God, I thank you for everything you've done for me. But I'm mature enough now. I want to see what you could do through me. I thank you for all the stuff you do for me. All the, all the messages I've heard. All the inspiration I've got. Being in God's presence, I thank you for that. But I want to know what you could do with me. How could you change the world through Brandy and Mitch and Hazel and Henry? How could you change the world through us? What could you do through me? I pray for that spirit. Baptize this church and every person in the room. In Jesus' name, everybody shout a big amen. Amen.